Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Steeler. Fury. You are listening to the Steeler Fury Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. That'd be the football podcast, all things Steelers, right here on the world's longest running Pittsburgh Steelers podcast now and in season 11. I'm contractually obligated to say that. My name is uh, Bradshaw to Ben. They call me Will Mastersack. Sometimes they call me Accidental Zen. Sometimes they just throw things at me. Uh, and joining me in being targeted by the masses... Uh, on just about every week of the football season, as usual, is uh, are my cohorts. The first is from uh, normally from somewhere near Pittsburgh suburban zone twenty two, except for now he's in. Um, I don't know. You're somewhere in the uh, what do they call that? Upstate, not in prison, but just upstate East Steel Perch. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. You're you're in Sing Sing, aren't you? Tell the truth. No, I'm not. I am in uh, sunny Albany, New York. Yeah, <laughs> sunny, not sunny. And also with us from uh, uh, somewhere in South Carolina, we just discussed before we came on air, he is not the winner of the Mega Millions, although he maintains he would still have showed up uh, for the podcast taping if he were. Uh, he's coming from here somewhere in South Carolina. His name is FC. He's with us. How are you, sir? I am fine, sir. And as Perch pointed out while we were having our discussion, I would show up just to glow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You told me you'd also, I would have found a million dollars donation to the show, so. I would have, absolutely. And you know, I've been, you know, a million dollars though out of like 970 million tax free, that doesn't really seem like a lot, I'm just saying. I hear you. you know? <laughs> I take it. I take it though. Uh, well, you guys, uh, you're tan, rested and ready after uh, a week off of the Steelers' uh, merry-go-round you know there wasn't any chance of them giving you a heart attack last sunday and in fact sunday was a pretty good day for your pittsburgh steelers uh, by not playing they moved into first place <laughs> um i'll start with you perch did you take the weekend off of football or did you see any of the other games uh, last weekend i believe i did watch every single afc north game so uh and plus the sunday night and the monday nights so, yeah i probably i don't think i took anything off so yeah i, I watched it all and uh, what, like me, was your favorite uh, part of that w- the weekend? The uh, the reaction shots from oh, oh, yeah. Baker Mayfield I mean, and the uh, the Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Justin they Tucker. had some amazing. Oh my God, both of them were amazing. I mean, I've said this on this podcast at least a dozen times. Justin Tucker is the greatest kicker of a football in the history of kicking footballs. I don't care who you take him to put him up against anybody. When he kicks field goals from fifty plus yards. I can guarantee that that ball will go through the uprights within one or two feet of the dead center of, of, of the uprights. I mean, he did, he's that accurate. And I forget what the number was, 230 or 260 kicks going back to college on extra points he's never, ever missed. And for him to miss that kick. Last time he missed the field under, under 35 yards, he was in fifth grade. 100% yeah. honest. Fifth grade. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, <laughs> that's pretty much the stat. But yeah, anything from uh, the current – extra point distance and in field goals or extra points. It's like 300 some kicks in a row. And for that team to lose that game, which could come back to be, you know, the difference between making the playoffs or winning the division or not uh, for that guy to miss was, I mean, is there anything better than other than the Steelers victory to, for that to happen in that manner in Cleveland to kind of get screwed again in, in the, in overtime or at the end of a game and, and lose not that that really affected the Steelers that much. And for Cincinnati to, 
continue their midseason meltdown and get completely blown out and embarrassed on, on a primetime game yet again. It was just a, you know, a perfect, perfect weekend. The Steelers uh, had some time to rest and recover, and uh, you know, hopefully they don't have that, uh, uh, what are they, one and four in their last five games after a bye week. Hopefully they don't come out flat and slow, but uh, uh, we'll see what happens this week. I mean, if New England had lost, it would have been a perfect weekend, and they came within a yard of, of at least going to overtime. Yeah. Uh, that was a crazy finish. But, but FC, I, I know you'd appreciate this. When I saw the, the Justin Tucker kick, I thought for a second that maybe the ghost of Nick Perry had come back and shot some paint inside the ball in the <laughs> weird way that it came off the foot. Talking about the lottery, yeah. Um, since they, uh, they enclosed that fucking shithole in Baltimore, um, it's gotten to be really tough to kick there. Um, they actually had a six, uh, one of the pregame shows on ESPN actually interviewed Tucker the week before, and he said that, yeah, Baltimore is the toughest place to kick in in the NFL now. And then he, they said Pittsburgh, and he's like, no, Pittsburgh, you know, since, you know, they, they added on and they did, it's not as difficult to kick there. It's not as close to as being as bad in Baltimore. They say the winds just swirl there. They closed the, a cup. They like they explained it pretty well. But any anywho, um, I agree with Perch. Guy was automatic, and he was money, and I was thrilled that he missed it. And I also agree with you, where I was hoping Kevin White would manage to get in the end zone, and the Bears would knock off New England. But we can't have everything, and shockingly, <laughs> we're in first place. It's true. Well, and I mean, you know, you look at the rest of the schedule, though, realistically, Perch, you know, it, it's it's not really like uh, just because their percentage points in front of the division today, that doesn't really guarantee them much uh, of an advantage going forward. It's better than being behind at this stage, but still a lot of mountains to climb in that, that second part of the schedule for the Steelers, right? Yeah, I mean, if you look at that schedule, there's maybe three gimmies, not, not even that they're gimmies, but three games you would expect the Steelers to, to definitely win to be favored by a touchdown. I think this upcoming Cleveland game, uh, Oakland is just a mess, although we historically haven't played there well. That's probably actually the only two. I mean, I kind of consider Cincinnati at home. Uh, I, I think, you know, the Steelers kind of shown they've had their way with them, even though it's, it's always a close game. But really, that's it. At New Orleans, New England's really tough. The Chargers look really good. Denver looked better last week than they had. Jacksonville's still going to be tough, even though they're kind of melting down. At Baltimore is going to be a hell of a game. And Carolina, that's a tough schedule. It's all, you know, playoff caliber teams. And it's it's really going to come down to something stupid like that kick or the tie the first week of the season that we had is going to end up, you know, deciding the whole season. Some small little uh, glitch in, in the schedule is going to decide where they end up. Yeah, it's true. That's all it would really take at this point. Um, but, you know, uh, they have a way of playing uh, really great against better opponents sometimes. I mean, not necessarily the last couple of weeks, but down the stretch, they seem to raise their game a little bit. Um, so, uh, FC, this week, the opponent, the Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. uh, I, I heard something interesting about that. Because of all the overtime games, they have played – uh, more minutes than anybody in the NFL. Their defense has been on the field for more plays than any other defense. And uh, Larry Okajobi apparently has played more snaps, I think, than any player in the NFL. Um, He's a good player, too. I mean, I'm just thinking that maybe, aside from the fact that the Steelers maybe want to make a little bit of a, uh, you know, uh, get some redemption for their week one performance against the Browns or maybe get some, you know, some revenge from the Browns' uh taking it to them a little bit in the monsoon. Uh, aside from all that, I just feel like the Steelers are totally rested. The Browns are totally worn out. Can, can you explain to me how you think that might affect this game? I mean, it's, you know, um, what you would think. And these, there's no hatred between these two teams anymore. The Steelers hate Baltimore. The Steelers hate the Bengals. There's, but coming with a tie in week one, I think that that's going to be the thing that matters the most. Um, Cleveland's defense is for real at times, most of the time it seems. But the, I've watched a ton of I, – I'm, I I'm really not buying in. Miles Garrett's a great player, and Obajobi 
who you mentioned is actually a very good player at second. And Ogba is uh, you know, he'll take advantage of inferior he'll take advantage of mistakes by offensive linemen, but he's just not dominant by any stretch of the imagination. And Jabril Peppers and they really miss Joe Schobert if it's not really pointed out. You know, no one's really mentioned it in the media, but um, I actually think he was one of their keys. Their defense, he's not going to be back for another week or two at the at the minimum, is my understanding. And uh, he was the quarterback of that defense, got everybody lined up, everything going. And when the Browns are going the best, they're just fucking blitzing their balls off. I mean, I love Greg Williams. I don't care what people say about Bounty Gate and all that. It's a violent game played by violent men. And everybody knows what they're getting themselves into. So, you know, if he did it, he did it. And I'm proud of him for it. Um, if it was my guy, I'd be proud of him for it. So I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Um, I don't think Cleveland being tired or being worn out. I mean, this is AFC North. This is the Brown season. And in a way, it's the Steelers season. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, Perch, I, the one thing, though, about them being tired is it looked like, I don't know if you watched the, you said you watched the, the Cleveland Tampa Bay game. I thought towards the end of that game, maybe the last quarter of the game or even more, that the Browns' pass rushers just looked like the life was sucked out of them, like they were just tired. Miles Garrett ran the same, you know, tried to run the corner over and over again and didn't really have that same explosion that he had in week one. I'm kind of hoping that maybe uh, you see this as I do, that that the Browns being worn out a little on defense might might make them uh, right for the Steelers on offense. I think what's going to make them right for the Steelers on offense is the injuries. You know, their starting corner, E.J. Gaines, is out with a concussion. They've got to move safety Darius Randall over to corner, which weakens them at two spots. So anytime you're moving a safety to corner, you've got one of your corners out, you're, you're playing a backup at safety. You know, those things sort of snowball. Um, you know, the last couple of weeks, their their defense hasn't been quite as good. as it. Early on, they, they look like, you know, one of the top four or five defenses in the league. It's probably sort of you know, a top 10 defense, but their offense isn't really helping them out, which is putting them out on the field more, which, you know, if they're playing that many snaps, things are going to wear down. People are going to get banged up. And even the guys who aren't out for the game with injuries are, you know, maybe nursing some things that are a little bit slower, as you mentioned with, uh, with the pass rushers. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a defensive line. that's going to give us some fits. They've got some good guys in the secondary that can catch the ball and, and, and make interceptions and they're a dangerous bunch, but you know, the game's at home. Hopefully the weather is going to be good. Uh, we've seen them once this year. You know, it kind of gives them some things, and they've got some injuries now. So I, and I think Ben wants to come back and break the wrongs for, for you know, we had three interceptions and a couple of fumbles that, that week one. I think he wants to get that back. Yeah, I think that's a, a big uh, psychological part of this game. Um, FC, I mean, the thing about the Browns is first time the Steelers totally, um, you know, destructed them. <laughs> destructed them. They destroyed the Browns running the football, at least for the first, you know, 50 minutes of the game. Uh, Browns are number one against the pass, number 25 against the run, at least in terms of uh, the advanced metri- metrics. You know, e- even without Schobert, who was a big part of their pass coverage game. Um, I'm, w- I'm wondering if the Steelers, I mean, what's your opinion? Do you think they will try to attack them the way they did in week one by running the football down their throat? Or do you think they might come out um, with the threat of the run and pass it on them a little bit early? Um, at home, I think seven in the box, you're going to see the run. Eight in the box, you're going to see the pass. It seems simple, it seems easy, but generally a decent indicator. Um, the Steelers have had some success running the ball against eight-man box. Sometimes they'll just run it to run it and set the tone, and you know they hope that they're, you know, Four men at the point of attack can block up the four men at the point of attack and get it done. And uh, I, 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 this, the series are going to take what's there. It's the great thing about having Ben. You know, it's if it's you know nine man box or we're going to be running right into a blitz. Ben has the option of just you know throwing up a hand, giving a signal, and. Here comes the quick slant. Stop Antonio Brown or stop Juju Smith-Schuster or stop Vance McDonald. You know, the Steelers, everyone says, you know, you know, it's A.B. and Juju and the Steelers third wide, Steelers third wide receivers become Vance McDonald and Jesse James. And it's always been, you know, Connor or Le'Veon Bell. But in the place of third wide receiver, they seem to be using the tight end. 
And I mean, both have made plays. We like to badmouth, or we have badmouthed Jesse James in the past, and deservingly. But he's been pretty solid this year. Very solid run, you know, in the run game. And same thing can be said about Vance McDonald. The Steelers are multi, you know, they can do many things out of many sets. And even three tight end sets, you know, I'm Grimble has shown some ability. And, you know, Vance McDonald's pretty decent. You know, Jesse James is pretty decent. I mean, the Steelers have weapons. So with the amount of weapons they have, they can do many things of any formation. Well, Perch, you know, one thing is coming off the bye, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting that they are going to try to have a couple of wrink- new wrinkles that they didn't have going into the bye. I know they only had like maybe an extra two days of practice, but I just feel like there, there'll be something involved here that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they will have in their mind that they're going to try to get better during the bye week and come out uh, on our cylinders. You know, I mean, is it is it possible that, James Washington gets some more uh, targets. Is it possible that uh, Jalen Samuels or, or somebody else uh, gets gets some looks? You know, I, Ben was talking about Hunter getting more snaps over Washington. What do you think the, the wrinkle will be for the Steelers' offense in terms of what they'll Absolutely try to add to the mix? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing. They're going to come out and try and beat you the way they're going to come out and try and beat you. It's just I don't see the, a whole lot of – Inventing, reinventing the wheel with this team. It's just, it's who they are. It's their DNA. It's their personality. There's eight in the box and we want to run. We're going to run the damn ball. (laughs) It's just, I don't, I don't see them reinventing the wheel. And for, you know, all of all the hope that I think a lot of us had, especially the three of us on the podcast here, that uh, we really hope that maybe they take this week to get James Washington going more. They hear Ben come and say, well, you know, we got this Justin Hunter guy and he's a veteran. I think we need to get him some more snaps here and there. Uh, it doesn't exactly, you know, come out as a ringing endorse, endorsement of the rookies. So, mm-hmm. you know, and like right. FC said, I, I, you know, I, I think that what you know they said James Conner is leading the league in rushing attempts against an eight-man box. I think that you look at it though, they're playing two tight ends a pretty good, pretty, pretty good amount with uh, McDonald and James on the field. And if you run against that eight-man box, and then you kind of mix in some throws against it. You're matching up a pretty athletic tight end or a pretty solid tight end, in Jesse James' case, against a linebacker or a safety or something like that. So I think they're, they're taking advantage of some of those, and that's why you know the two uh, tight ends are the number three and four receivers on the team with you know 274 yards apiece. So, um, but yeah, I, I just I don't see the Steelers coming out with you know some some new formation or some new game plan or set of plays. I think they're gonna. You know, just kind of dust off what they did before. I, ben basically took the bye week off to kind of rest his elbow, and you know, I I, I don't think we'll see anything uh, drastically different out of the team at all, offensively he, especially. He did to partake in a Wednesday practice, which uh, you know I know is a major news in the Steelers world. <laughs> um, so he practiced twice in the last two weeks. Shocking! Uh, yeah. Once per week, it's not twice <laughs> in two weeks. So, uh, so FC, it doesn't appear that Patrick Peterson is going anywhere for Arizona. On the defensive side of the ball for the Steelers, uh, you know, it looks like Morgan Burnett is practicing at least now. Okay, uh, LJ Ford is practicing. You know, what, 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 if anything, do you think they'll change on the defensive side of the ball going forward? Or do you think they just try to do better with what they've been doing? Much like Perch said on the offense. I think they're going to try to do better. It's going to be – they just need Artie Burns to play to his talent level. I mean, that's the one thing. That's the only change I can see happening. If Morgan Burnett's healthy, Morgan Burnett will be on the field. I mean, if LJ Ford's probably going to struggle to get on the field if Bostick and Williams are healthy and playing well. The one thing I'm going to say about Tomlin is uh, – and Fitch – and uh, – Defense coordinator this year. Uh, Keith give Butler. Yep. There you go. Butler. Um, you got to give him credit. They, uh, they've yanked starters. They've cycled players in. They've been a little bit more creative. I mean, I would like to – I would have much rather seen Cameron Sutton play in front of Cody Sensabaugh if Artie Burns failed because then you would find out, okay, Artie Burns sucks and Cameron Sutton also sucks. So – Corner is our biggest need heading into the offseason. We're running back. Probably but, corner. Uh, but I'll, I'll, say this, so I'll say this, FC, just that they, didn't, they couldn't really do that with Sutton because he was playing dimebacker in place of Barnett. 
So I'm wondering if that's what was going to be my follow-up question. Now that, you know, in theory, Morgan Burnett is going to play uh, in that dime backer position and Hilton is going to play at the slot, does that not free up Cam Sutton for a chance to get some snaps uh, as a corner in, in, you know, in that rotation? I, I think it does, but uh, I mean, that's a big question. Who starts this week? I'm thinking it's Cody Sensa. I, I, I don't know. I think Sensabaugh, Burns has made too many damn mental mistakes. They said they were going to take the bye week to kind of get his brain right, and they haven't lost faith in him. And I mean, it's not his first year. It's not his second year. He's been around. He's been around the block a few years now. Uh, if you're still failing mentally, I mean, some people just don't ever get it, you know? So, uh, you know, uh, obviously he's probably the most gifted corner we have physically, but his play is probably, he's probably the fifth best corner we have. Uh, if you just measure on what he does on the field. So it will be interesting to see how they practice and, and what the, what the coaches think and who's going to get the start. I'm going to guess if he probably continues to rotate with sensible, it's probably hard to work in a third guy into, into a rotation for one spot. So, I would imagine Sutton just kind of goes back, but you know Burnett will probably be hurt again by the second quarter. So uh, you know Sutton may get his reps again anyway. I mean, here's the thing, FC. I, I mean, to me, a more intriguing question is: assuming that all those guys on defense are healthy uh, in the defensive backfield, uh, who's going to sit? Because right now, with uh, Darius Hayward Bay out, and I think he's still uh, only limited in practice. Um, uh, Burns is uh, not Burns. I'm sorry. Uh, Brian Allen is your, you know, your first team gunner uh, in in uh, you know punt coverage. You Hunter. That's what you do. You sit Hunter. But I mean, they're talking about you know getting Hunter more involved in the in the offense. That's but even so, <laughs> but I'm saying, okay. But even if you sit one of those two wideouts, either Washington or Hunter, that's one. Um, right. The third string quarterback, that's two. Um, you know, the uh, 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 last offensive lineman, that's three. Dior. We're still – yeah, that's so, what I'm saying. You're still, you still got three guys to sit, and it's like I feel like one of those linebackers might sit. You might uh, – you know, one of, the dip, one of the cornerbacks or safeties, Marcus Allen, I guess, is four. That last uh, inactive is going to be a really interesting choice. And, you know, call me, call me crazy, but I, I still feel like there's – be you know, a basic, uh, running back, too. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, they seem they seem a torn about what to do about their running back situation. Perch. I mean, they want to you know get other guys involved, and they're talk about there were you know a couple of weeks ago there was even talk about having uh, a package for uh, Jalen Samuels if the game went a certain way, whichever way that was, who knows? Um, but I just you know I'm not really sure you know when everyone is healthy what the pecking order really is. I'm not really uh, sure Jalen Samuels is going to be on the team when Le'Veon Bell comes back. No, I, I assume I assume that's what's going to happen is that he's he's going to get ditched, um, but uh, you know I would feel like you want to you want to at least give him a couple touches before that happens in case you want to change your mind about that. I mean, unless they just literally he's a body they think he's jag and they're never going to do anything with him and they're you know they're not worried about losing him at all because you know when you, when you bring Bell back, you know he's not going to be here next year. Um. I don't know. That to, that to me it seems like a – I guess I would have played it a little differently. I would have gotten him at least two or three touches the last couple of games so that, you know, and have the bye week where you could try to give him a, you know, package of a couple of things. And then when Bell comes back, you could decide to ditch him, you know, if you, if you didn't live up to your expectations or whatever. But it seems like that's just the – they don't view that resource the same way that I do. I guess the, the you know, the pick is a disposable uh, even though it's at a position of that's going to be of need next year, uh, so maybe that's just me. But uh, and he very well could be uh, benched this week. You know how, how how would you notice the difference if he were benched? He's barely on the field now, as it were. Uh, FC, you mentioned the different defensive line going to give the Steelers some matchup issues. Uh, more specifically, um, where's the where's the real trouble for? Uh, the Steelers here. I mean, it's Villanueva matchup against Miles Garrett is sort of obvious. Um, I mean, um, if Ramon Foster fails to pick up stunts, yeah, that's going to be a problem. Um, I, I think that Villy has been phenomenal this year, including in that quagmire in Cleveland. Whenever you, whenever you know you get down the brass tacks, um, that's the thing. I think Ramon Foster's level of play stepped up a ton. David DeCastro is playing fine with the cast. 
I got the I got bring them. Bring whatever front seven you want. I love the Sewers offensive line. I really do. Yeah, I said, well, uh, Perch Schobert, I think, was a real – I mean, he seemed to be all over the field. So, you know, as far as their front seven, he was the guy that seemed to be making all the plays. Um, and without him, I imagine that, uh, you know, the tight ends are going to be in play for the Steelers. Yeah, and I think that's what we're going to see a lot of. I think we're going to see a lot of runs, a lot of passes to the tight ends. I, I think that, uh, you know, the Steelers are really going to try and physically pound the game at, at the Cleveland and take, you know – uh, take a little bit of the punch away from that pass rush. If you're, you know, busy fighting off a 350 pound offensive lineman and getting run over by a 250 pound bowling bowling ball running back for you know a handful of snaps, it, it's going to take some of the steam off that pass rush. And I think that's what the Steelers are going to do and say, listen, we're going to come out, we're going to play physical, we're going to use two tights. You know, if they stack the box, we'll throw the tights. Uh, if they don't, we're going to pound them with the run. And then once we do that and get some points on the board, it's going to open up the passing game, and it's. Yeah, probably the smart thing to do. It's the Steelers type of thing to do. That's just what I expect. Yeah, I mean, it just sort of feels like, you know, it took them a little while to figure out what, what they want to try to do. Um, you know, I, I think they've had more success. Let's put it this way. We've complained in the past sometimes that they are content to possess the football, keep it close, and not, you know, keep the ball away from the other team, sometimes to their own detriment. But uh, – they feel more diversified. And, I mean, FC, I guess it's worth asking the question, now that we've seen six weeks of the Steelers with the supposed impending uh, arrival of Le'Veon Bell, you know, the last two times that Bell has been out, or actually, actually the last three times, the beginning and end of uh, – uh, trying to think, what was the uh, – his uh, the, the replacement that we had that came from Carolina? Uh, Dusan. No, no, no. D'Angelo Williams. Williams. So D'Angelo Williams had these two stretches where he um, filled in for Bell once during suspension and once with injury. And then uh, so far this year, I think you could make a pretty strong argument that the Steelers are more diversified and maybe playing, you know, better offensive football in a way in terms of finishing the deal. Uh, You know, that are they going to be able to somehow integrate Bell and still – continue to be diversified? Sure. Well, I mean, what's... Um, Le'Veon Bell on the field limits you how. He's not Jerome Bettis. I mean, I'm not... And I'm any Jerome Bettis fans out there, I'm not picking on Jerome Bettis. It's... He can do everything and anything you ask for from a running back. Now, if he goes out there and he's a piece of shit that's just, you know, wants no part of physicality and he's just in there, now that's a different ball game, but Le'Veon Bell 100% playing his game, yeah, you're not limited at all. He's best back in the NFL. I I think I understand what you're you're saying, and another thing that you gotta look at is Todd Haley's gone. Maybe Fickner is a little bit better than we're giving him credit for. Or I'm giving him credit for. There's there's a lot of things. I mean, I don't like what Le'Veon Bell's done, but and I understand where you're coming from. And but there's a lot of people that are like forgetting how good <laughs> you know Le'Veon Bell actually is, and that's that's yeah. the point I really want to make here. Le'Veon Bell doesn't limit your offense at all if he's there to play and win games. Well, I, I think I think Le'Veon Bell improves your short yardage uh, running offense for sure. Um, that's that would be to me a weakness in Connor's game that even even with oh. the Really good start that he's had. Zone with Connor, really, and God, that's yeah. Le'Veon Bell. That's where Le'Ve- Le'Veon Bell eats. But I would also say that you know, one of the reasons that the offense works a little bit better, in a way, is that there are more big plays, more, more big chunk plays than than with Bell. You know, Bell's definitely a chain mover, um, right. but but without the you know without the big chunk plays, that means you got to execute more plays without penalties. You got to have you know more mistake free football to make it to the to the end zone. You know, so that that to me is a, I don't know. Defenses Perch, play I, oh, go ahead. Connor a little bit yeah. different than they play Bell as well. Um, I, I Connor continues to surprise teams by being able to reach the third level because most four six five backs don't. You know, um, Terrell Davis did did it really well. Kareem Hunt. I mean, is he really a four six five guy? But I mean, that's what the stopwatch said, and 
Yeah, he does, but most backs don't. And I, Connor's underestimated. That's it's, it's, it's a good bit of it, and I, he's talented. I'm not trying to take away, you know, from Connor, but at the same time, you know, um, teams are very happy to blitz both safeties against Connor in the run game. You don't do that against Bell much. They did it his first two years in the league where he did break off some longer runs quite often, and teams stopped doing that. You'll very rarely I, see anything less than a single high with Le'Veon Bell in, in, in the game. Interesting. I think it's real intriguing, though. How do they break Bell in? They're not going to take Connor out. What I'd like to see him do, what I think would be the smart thing to do, you let Connor start the games, and you start you know, at least the first couple weeks where it's going to take Le'Veon Bell a couple weeks to get back to game speed. Use him as your third down back. You know, just use him as a traditional third down back. Let Connor do the heavy lifting. Bell doesn't want too many touches. We know, you know, he was crap the first couple of weeks last year when he came back from an extended absence. Use him as a third down back. And then at that point, you know, you're not missing much with Connor on the first two downs. Whereas, you know, he's, he's able to give you something in the passing game and having, running between tackles, he's, he's doing a really good job. But, the, you know, as the season wears on, if you get, you know, once you get Bell back and get his sea legs under him, you know, once you get to the playoffs, if you can get Bell to the playoffs with only 100 carries on him, you know, that that could be, a, you know, a big feather in their caps. I, I just, I cannot see them going to James Conner and say, hey, you're, you know, second in the AFC in rushing and we're going to bench you now and, and not, not play. I think no he's still going to be. fucking way. Yeah, no I mean, way they're going to do it. Well, the offensive lineman would throw a fit. Ben Ben shares an agent with Connor. Ben, if you remember, Ben lobbied for the Steelers to draft him in the first place. Yeah, I think, um, I think Connor. I think it'll be, least, he'll be used a little bit more than as a third down back. But I don't. I don't necessarily think it's going to be Parker and Bettis either. But Freeman and Tevin Coleman, Philadelphia last year. You can get. You can feed them. You can get them both on the field at the same time. I mean, and I, yeah, and I think look, Bell comes back next Wednesday is the day that I'll. He has to, to, man. Halloween, he's, man. It's he's fucked back. around Halloween. too long. Think of it this way: if the Steelers use their roster exemption, he don't. That don't count to to accumulated time. Andrew Brand's podcast, second best podcast in the world. That don't yeah, count towards accumulated time. He has to report, or if the Steelers use their roster exemption, he loses the fucking season. And Le'Veon Bell should sue his agent. That's the big thing on the Andrew. Bur- brand podcast i've never heard it in my life he's a former agent he's a president of an organization he is came out and said that levy on bell's agent is misrepresented him as bad as any agents ever misrepresented a player without flat off stealing from him so, but he's quote, he's you, quote unquote, yeah. making a point go ahead perch if you follow andrew brand on twitter every week of the season he posts the same damn thing he's like i don't know what the end game is here it's the biggest blunder i've ever seen an agent and a player make this makes no damn sense I don't know what they're doing. They're, they've misplayed their hands. You could tell they don't even – the reason they haven't told the Steelers what they intend to report, they're making shit up as they go along. <laughs> and like FC said, if he shows up and they put that roster exemption on him and then now with, with the transition tag, it's 20% of what he actually makes this year, not 20% of that, that $14 million. Mm-hmm. So if he sits out half the year and it's you know $7 million they have to pay him, uh, 20% on top of that, you know $8 million for next year, and, you know, obviously another team could sign him to some sort of a contract, but then the Steelers can match it and keep it. And who, who's to say that any team out there is going to offer him more than, you know, than the $14 million he had this year? So Let's be honest. It just, yeah. Who wants this? Who wants this fucking headache? Knee Nobody. injuries? Rug fucking problems? I'm, not, I'm, I'm a Le'Veon Bell guy. I wouldn't want the fucking headache. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. I would have yeah, he's, he's another year older, and, you know, like I said, two, two strikes in the drug policy. He's he's out there worried about his rap game, uh, all this other, other shit that he's doing, and, and, you know, the headache that he caused his team this year. And, and just, you know, I think the biggest slap in the face is not telling the team what his plans were. He says, hey, you know what, I don't like this deal. i got to look out for my family my future. I'll see you week 10. People could have swallowed that a lot better and said, all right, this is his decision. It's a business decision. But the the – you know, it's like the ex-girlfriend playing games with you, giving you, you know, all kind of crap with them. Maybe I'm coming, you know, week one. Maybe I'm coming after the bye week. Well, maybe I'm coming week 10. Maybe not coming at all. It just all that stuff has just rubbed everybody the wrong way. I think, you know, agents and, and different uh, executives across the league are going to have an issue with why would we want this guy on our team? And you see every year these rookie running backs come in. You get them locked up for five years at, 
making a million or two million dollars a year. You know, James Con- James Conner makes it in a year what Le'Veon Bell makes in a week. You know, why couldn't the Steelers just you know spend another third rounder to get a, a backup for James Conner and be happy and spend that fourteen million dollars on a defender and free agency? So it, it's you know that's that's my thing is would I even want Le'Veon Bell next year with a transition tag of nine million dollars? Would I rather spend that nine million? You know, use a draft pick to to replace him and spend the nine million on a corner on the free agent market. So it's who knows where he ends up, but it's it, he's not going to win a deal long term, no way. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't. Was, now that the now that the his salary has gone down and down and down, even the five the average of the top five salaries for a uh, non exclusive franchise tag, even that's affordable in a way that you know you could hope and pray somebody would take them off your hands or make you an offer at that point um, in a way that they can't do right now because of the way this deal is, you know, that the transition thing doesn't get them any compensation, but I could, I could see we'll this play the out. Round pick. I'm good with the second round pick from the compensation I'll get from the NFL. But you, the you're, round pick and you're, the yeah, but you can't get a second. You can't, the most you could get would be a third. And even in that situation, that is, even that's off a franchise player three, I thought that there was an exception for because there's actually never been one that went to free uh went to this flat out free agency i don't think after being tagged three times i thought you would get a compensation of uh second round well, maybe, maybe round. Maybe yeah. i always thought the highest comp pick was a second rounder that, uh, that I, that's all i've ever seen i've never seen anything better better than, the, than a third rounder i don't think okay you then i'll i'm perfectly good with the third round compensation pick but you but the thing is though it's offset by whoever you sign and they're going to have the oodles of cash yeah. and probably sign a defensive, big defensive name, and that's going to that means your compensation pick will go right out the window. We're so I don't think you're gonna, we're we're, we're going to extend it home, TJ Watt. We're going to stay home. Bud Dupree. Let's be honest. Bud Dupree might get a little, might get some cash. He let's say Bud Dupree gets what he's playing, getting an average deal, but he's getting paid this year. On the, I think he's eight million. You know. It's the Steelers, dude. I mean, come on. Did anybody really even think that the Patrick Peterson was even like a far-fetched dream? It's not. It's not the way we roll. It's. Not, I mean, Kevin Green is probably the biggest free agent signing. Jerome Bettis, but that was a trade. Yeah, it was a trade. Yeah, yeah. It's I just, not the way we roll. I mean, but look at how many swings and misses they've had at the cornerback position. <laughs> oh, I know, man. In the in the draft. And then even you know through free agency they they got luck they lucked into Hayden but they'd have to look at that and say boy that's the weakest spot on our roster and if we could you know hey trade Artie Burns in the third rounder for Patrick Peterson you know that, that they would take that but who knows maybe they would if they were the reason I said there was a pipe dream is their owner came out and said there's no fucking way we're trading him that's a direct quote Michael Bidwell said there's no fucking way we're trading him. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> that is pretty much a very rich man that's saying no. So, yeah, but I never believed that because that's his. That would be the negotiating position you'd have to start with. Is oh no no no, we're not interested at all. And then the other team comes. <laughs> the team comes back and says, uh, the guy. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's like he feels he has a little bit of a problem with like a Napoleon complex because he's the owner of the Arizona Cardinals, you know, ha ha ha. And he was saying that he was never going to let a player dictate to him because that's the one thing that he learned from his father. He's a proud man. Just, you know, just has trouble running his football franchise. (laughs) Yeah. I can't see them perch taking, I don't know. I would say the absolute best would be second and a player or maybe, you know, a first and you swap. They they give you their second. You send them a first and a third. I think so they would want Artie Burns, like Terrell Edmonds, and a second round pick. To be honest with you, something like that. Yeah, Even and I mean, consider it. Ed, Edmonds has become a sort of a you know a, a valuable contributor the last couple of weeks. I mean, He's I'm afraid showing signs of life. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think at this point they're going to cut bait on him. And I even Burns yeah. being. Being 23, I'm not thoroughly convinced the Steelers are, are ready to give up on him either. Um, no, I wouldn't say that I would be flying to do it. Would I do it to get Patrick Peterson? Wow, he's got a big contract. And he's not as old as you would think. He doesn't. And what's, what's, it's, what's an average, $12 million a year? That's not that 13, big of a contract. 13 and a half, I think. 
We're paying a running back more than that. A running back versus a corner. <laughs> I mean, it's just big fucking money, man. But I understand yeah, but what you got the cornerback position is probably one of the two or three most important positions. I mean, you got quarterback, pass rusher, and corner. I think are the three biggest positions in the NFL today. You can get one of those for the price of dropping Le'Veon Bell's sorry ass contract and just I just <laughs> cut him right now. And just say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna tear up that uh, that franchise and you're free. You're a free agent. Goodbye. We got Patrick Peterson now. We'll see you later. <laughs> why not? You know why not? Plus you got to be well, interested. Two years from now, that contract's gonna look really cheap. I mean, the only reason not to perch is that, you know, the chances of him ending up with a team that is going to be your rival for, uh, you know, for winning the Super Bowl this year is uh, probably going to sign him. You know what I mean? Like the chances of him going to New England or, or uh, you know, one of those NFC teams, I could see that happening. I could be, see that being a real possibility. Go to, you know, so you could end up seeing Le'Veon Bell before your season's over if you let him get a, If you just say, you can't worry you know, about the other teams. You have to worry about your team. You do what's best to improve your team. Yeah. If Le'Veon Bell goes somewhere and, and can run for 200 yards on the Steelers, God bless him. I'm more worried about some Yahoo receiver beating Artie, Artie Burns' brains in for four touchdowns. <laughs> Game, you know, well, I know I agree with I agree with that, but you're to me the best thing Le'Veon Bell can do for you this year is to be your backup running back in case something happens to your starter. I mean, you know, or or replace the starter or share time with him or whatever. He's way more valuable to you doing that than he is doing anything else. Not Whether more he's valuable happier, than why can't we have Peterson? Say it's, what's that, Perch? I say you're not more valuable to the team than Patrick Peterson being a starting corner. Peterson and Hayden. Oh. Would, no, no, I, but I don't. That's what it would, the whole defense would be so much dramatically better. With that no, no one's play. arguing that. I, I just don't know that they're the two things don't really. One doesn't prevent you from doing the other. Like Does the there's, offense there's ever really, average twenty nine points a game with Le'Veon Bell as a starter? No, they are with James yeah. Conner. We, we don't even need Bell as a backup right now. I'll be honest. But <laughs> I like that split backs, three wide receivers. Oh, yep, would so love, love to have him, but we don't need him. Yes, exactly. It's a fair point, and it's right. I mean, but, you know, that's regardless of us not spending the money and rolling it forward the next year, that's still money that we haven't spent on this year's team, you know? So, you know, um, maybe the Steelers do make that splash in the free agency next year. I mean, and would I love to trade for Patrick Peterson, especially after the season? Because I think his value actually goes down. After the season, if they attempt to trade him, say they try to trade him at the draft, you know, or before the draft, you know, I oh, think but if you're, if you're going to make a deal for Patrick Peterson, even if you, I mean, honestly, even if you send uh, a first, a two, 2019 first and a second from 2020, that's still good value for Patrick Peterson. It's not like, it's not like even if the value is going to be Peterson's better. going to play for three or four more years. Do you think that you might be able to get... You know, even if you don't get another contract done, if you think the window is that short and if you think you're that small with Ben and you actually think you can get it done, yeah, you absolutely do it. I do it. I give up a 2019 and 2020 first round pick. I'm mean, just saying you're like, you know, considering what he brings sure. to your team and what kind of needs you'll have left over after that. I think that, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to doing, I'm not opposed to paying even a very steep price for him because I think he's good enough, young enough and affordable enough to make it work. But, you know, that's that's my take. Um, we really should move on. We should move on to our illustrious Around the League pick segment brought to us by... Chico's Bill Bonds, Mike Pereira, Dean Blandino, and my fucking boy, Doug Peterson, they got balls bigger than watermelon. You make it, <laughs> make it fire, but boy, does he got balls. I'd like to add a name here, Eric Reed. I don't know if either of you guys see the Carolina He's Philly fucking game. sell out. He's <laughs> screaming it. And it's like getting picked up by the crowd mic, by the ref mic. Ref mic, yeah, I've seen it. Uh, he was like uh, possessed you know, in, a, in, a, in a football way that was really great. He had, you know, was, uh, I don't know. I can perch. I totally understand why the Steelers were not interested in the controversy <laughs> and the nuclear fallout that would have happened if they had signed uh, Reed and he had kneeled on the sideline in Heinz Field. But in terms of the way he played, it may be long for the days when we had someone on our defense who played like his hair was on fire. Yeah, yeah, to all that. I, I agree with every, uh, every concept there. <laughs> Translation FC, he was distracted in here when I said, but it's okay. 
<laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I, I'm joking, man. No, you just don't need Eric Reed in Pittsburgh, just with exactly. all the other problems that we have. No, they're they're not a they're just not a team that's going to deal with somebody who does anything. I mean, they tried to avoid the the national anthem controversy and ended up pissing off their entire fan base because <laughs> the Nueva came out and it looked like they were protesting and just it was a big stink for nothing and. Yeah, you know, and it's been a while since we had a, a fired-up defensive player. So, like I said, I, I agree to the whole concept there. Yeah, and actually, that just feels like a thing that's missing. We we need we need some of that uh, on our on our defense somehow. Uh, anyway, uh, hey, this... I, I know how to get that back. Baker Mayfield <laughs> comes out of the tunnel before the game and plants the Cleveland Browns flag right in the middle of Heinz Field. It's gonna happen. Wait for it this Sunday. Or he's gonna like wipe away the Steelers logo in the middle of the field, like the... with a terrible towel. Yeah, it's gonna happen. There's silly shit that people do take very serious, though. You know, so this is true. Um, well, let's talk about uh, it's a quadruple header Sunday for my birthday that the NFL lined this up for me. Happy Pretty awesome birthday! Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's only sixty nine, but uh, anyway, sixty nine is a good place to be. But uh, in London, your Philadelphia Eagles, a three-point favorite over what the the team formerly known as the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Perch, I'll throw this to you. What do you uh, – I don't know. Philadelphia has played less than the sum of its parts, uh, maybe a little Super Bowl hangover. Jacksonville's in free fall. What happens in this game? Does somebody have to win the AFC South, or can we like vote them out of the league? Or one of those teams is going to make the playoffs at eight and eight, or seven and nine, and a ten and six team is going to miss a wild card. And you know, I could just see that happening. But uh, I think Blake Bortles is still starting this week, and I think uh, Fletcher Cox still plays for the for the Eagles defense. And I just I, I think the Eagles defense will swallow up the Jags offense, shut them down. They're not the same without Fournette. And their defense hasn't played nearly as well either. I, I honestly, it's a three-point line. I expect uh, the Eagles to win by ten. Uh, FC sounds like you agree. I actually do agree. And but here's the thing: two things to look out for. First thing to look out for is uh, Jalen Ramsey and um, wide receiver from fucking South Carolina, whose name escapes me right now. Jeffrey could actually um, go to fucking swinging at each other very early in this game because they're both a little bit play like their hair's on fire at times. And the second thing is, is um, the owner of Jacksonville. Oh my God. If they lose that fucking game, he is going to be so pissed off on that plane. So (laughs) he's from London. He just got turned down from buying Wembley stadium. He tried to buy Wembley stadium. That's how fucking rich he is. And, uh, it fell through. And, uh, he wants to move his team to England, and if they lose in an embarrassing fashion, which I happen to agree with Perch about, I think they're going to lose by 10 to 13 points as well. It could be really bad. Yeah, I don't really see. I wish I could see a, envision a scenario where I saw Jacksonville hanging on in this game, but they have uh, recently looked really bad. It would have to be a big turnaround, I think. Um Speaking of uh, divisions where somebody has to win the division, uh, the Washington Redskins are at the New York Giants. Here, here's the state of here's the state of the NFC, NFC East in a nutshell. The Giants just gave away uh, arguably their best player, or one of their, their best player on defense anyway, and they gave away uh, you know their their starting cornerback. They're talking about giving away the other starting quarterback, a cornerback rather. Um, their quarterback and offensive line is in a total shambles. They are only a one-point underdog to the Washington Redskins this week. <laughs> so I think there's not a whole lot of respect for the Redskins and what they've accomplished with Alex Smith. FC, I'll start with you. How do you see this? Um, Ryan Kerrigan and Preston Smith still play for Washington. <laughs> um, I like the Redskins. Um, Alex Smith, historically, is risk-adverse going to move the chains, get first downs. I think that's the type of game plan you're going to have, and Washington's just going to play behind that defense. And that front seven, which is pretty nasty, you know. Two boys from Alabama, you know, Preston Smith. I like what Washington is building slowly on defense. So I'll take the skins. Perch, you got any disagreement with that? 
you know, uh, an observation. Eli Manning has slowly morphed into Alex Smith. That guy throws <laughs> more passes at or behind the line of scrimmage. Ninety some percent of his passes are less than nine yards downfield. Every he's checked down Charlie like Alex Smith. Like, damn, dude, throw the ball downfield a little bit once. Well, you know, point eight yards per attempt. I mean, yeah. I mean, here's, here's the thing, Kurt. You're a you're a Penn State guy. You you saw Saquon, Saquon Barkley's career. I I mean, I know their offensive line is bad, but making this offense so that it's strict, it's pretty much totally about getting the ball in the hands of Barkley. I'm not sure that's made the Giants better than they were last year. Am I missing something? I don't think it's as much as getting the ball in the hands of Barkley as it is protecting Eli Manning from losing the game. I mean, he's a career like 50, he's a career 58% accurate quarterback. I mean, he's, he's a guy who's, who's never really been that accurate. If you look now, he's completely bizarro Eli. He's completing close to 70% of his passes, but he's still only averaging six yards. It's just everything check down, check down, check down. Their offensive line's horrible. They have a super talented running back. They just said, fuck it, we're throwing screens to the running back and, you know, quick outs, quick outs to OBJ and hope one of those guys can make somebody miss and bust off a 70-yard touchdown. That's Eli their has absolutely zero fucking interest in getting hit anymore. Yep. Over it. Fuck you. One, two, three, four, five, and Saquon. One, two, three, four, five, we'll tie. He's, he's just <laughs> zero interest. So... You know, I'm, I don't like Odell Beckham. God, I don't like him. I actually hate his fucking guts. Hate everything about him. Boy, can he play football. I'd take him on my team in a second. He's talented. Very talented. He's also a diva and a social media star. And he has a fucking hive to protect him on social media. He's a fucking twat, but boy, can he play football. <laughs> he's, an Insta- he's an Instagram model. He's an Instagram model that plays football. Yeah, he's a fucking um, twat. All right, so th- three more games. You're, you guys get to pick one. We're going to do one each. Okay. Uh, Baltimore, Carolina. Uh, I'll take that one. Rams, hey. Rams at Green Bay and Minnesota. Uh, excuse me, Green Bay at the Rams and New Orleans at Minnesota. I'll start with you, Perch. Go ahead. I'll take that Baltimore-Carolina game just so I can bring up two weeks ago on this very podcast. I said Baltimore was going to physically kick the shit out of Tennessee, and the FC said, no, Tennessee is going to physically dominate Baltimore, and Baltimore broke the sack record in that game. So I had to I had to gloat a little bit on that. But this is a really good game. I mean, uh, I think both teams can be pretty physical. I think both defenses are going to make some plays. It's going to come down to which offense can do what. And Ken Newton's playing some of the best ball of his career. So I think – Carolina being at home is going to send Baltimore on a two-game losing streak uh, before they come into Pittsburgh. I'm going to take uh, Carolina to win and win and cover. Uh, FC, which one would you like? Um, I will pick the Minnesota-New Orleans game. Okay. Um, first part, I agree with Perch. I think Carolina is going to be Baltimore. Second part, um, Wow. I'm going to take the Vikings. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but uh, New Orleans should have lost to Baltimore. I understand the game was outdoors. Um, I actually think Minnesota's uh, offense is every bit as explosive. I understand that Delvin Cook's going to be out and the other running backs not very good. I actually like Thielen every bit as much as I like Michael Thomas, and I like Diggs more than any other wide receiver on uh, New Orleans offense. And I definitely like Minnesota's defense, even being down a lot more than I like New Orleans' defense. So I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings. There you go. Um, I, I got the Rams uh, hosting Green Bay. Um, Green Bay, other than the fact that they have the marquee name and Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback, uh, they're not having a very good season, honestly. And, and, and Aaron Rodgers is not having a very good season, actually, for, for Green Bay. they got a lot of sort of dysfunction going on. But I think there's a little bit of a hidden story here. Looking at the next uh, seven games for the Rams, you know, who are currently undefeated, here's what they have. They host Green Bay. They go to New Orleans. They host Seattle. They host Kansas City. They go to Detroit, who's now, you know, I mean, built themselves a little bit of a contender situation there, and uh, at Chicago and versus Philadelphia. So out of those seven games, this game is – three did they lose? Yeah, I'm saying this. You know that they're going to drop at least one of these games – uh, and, and maybe a couple. Uh, 
I feel like Green Bay might be a game that they overlook a little bit. It's at home. It's with a dangerous uh, quarterback opponent that, you know, might figure out a way to put up some points against them and make them chase, which I'm not sure is the best thing for the way the Rams. The Rams like to be uh, on schedule, and they're kind of a front-runner offense, uh, and the defense is built to, to uh, attack teams whenever they're chasing the lead. I think you get in a dogfight with them, you might have a chance to beat them. I don't think the Green Bay is going to win this week, but I think there's a pretty good chance that they keep it closer than that nine-point spread. So I guess I'll take Green Bay in the points. But just interesting thing to look look at is the upcoming schedule for the for the Rams and Chiefs, and just try to figure out. You know, they're unlikely to not lose. I would say between those two teams, you're going to see two or three losses in the next uh, you know stretch of the season. So it's interesting to just look because they seem on paper better than everybody else, but it's not really the way the NFL works. And that does Rams it for really our – Go ahead. Do Rams really miss what? Rams really missed uh, Cooper Cup last week. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, really yeah. miss Cooper Cup. I mean, I like Robert Woods. I like Brandon Cooks. Near one of them are move the chains type. You know what? You need Heinz Ward. I mean, and the three of us at times were a little bit tough on Heinz Ward at times. Um, third and eight. First down. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, let me ask you this, FC. I know you said you like Stefan Diggs. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, Diggs, Thielen, uh, you know, Woods, Cup, uh, I mean, Cooks. and Cooks. I- I'm going to say Cooper Cup is the best wide receiver out of that whole bunch. In fact, I I'll really like Thielen. Oh, man, yeah. I really like Thielen. Okay, you, good he's a guy that fucking worked. He is a, he doesn't, I'm, he reminds me in game, I'm not going to say performance or career, of Antonio Brown. And that's a guy that won't be, he won't fail. He won't allow himself to fail. He'll catch a thousand balls a day. He'll run a thousand routes a day if he has to, to be great. And so few people have that. And I mean, they're willing to work to that. And he's definitely one. I'm sure there's a ton of guys in the NFL that are that way. But they just—they're not Minnesota, Manicato, you know, beg to get a tryout and then do this. And sure. AB, you know, and Cooper Cup's the same way. But Cooper Cup actually got a little bit better of a pedigree. So there was expectations. Everyone always told Keelan and told AB, "Hey, you're not fast enough, or you're not skilled enough." And hey, guess what? I am. Let me show you. <laughs> and guess what I am. Exactly. All right. Well, that, 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 right now having the fucking the greatest season of any wide receiver ever. Yeah, I, I can't deny that. The guy's been great. He, I think. I mean, sure does like him. I've never seen nineteen and twenty-one targets in my life outside of Terrell Owens and Jeff Garcia in one game. But you know, you see twenty-one targets, twenty-one targets, nineteen targets, eighteen targets. You're like, wow. <laughs> Yeah, somebody must roll the fuck over. <laughs> somebody might like must like somebody. Um, yeah. Okay, so that brings us to uh, our five star matchup. I don't know. It, it's a. I'm going to say with the tie, it's a two point five star matchup. The Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Perch, what do you think happens in this game? Well, I think it ends up being a close game. For simple fact that the Steelers always play like shit after a bye week. They play like shit early in the year. It seems to play like shit against Cleveland the last couple of years where the games are always way closer than they should be. Uh, and the Browns have a pretty good defense. They've got a defensive coordinator who's historically given Ben issues. Um, yeah, I, I think eventually we'll, we'll get some of the run game going, and I think our defense will make some plays in this game. The Browns' offense is a little bit... Uh, hindered from, from where they were last time. They've got, uh, I think Rashad Higgins is out, and uh, you know, they traded uh, the other receiver over, over in New England. So uh, yeah, I think the Steelers hang on to win 25-20. But I, I, I just don't expect a super impressive Steelers team to come out and put the Browns away and beat them by 25 points. The Browns are pretty scrappy. They're close in every single game, and I expect the same this weekend. Uh, FC, how do you see this? I don't know shit about the Baltimore Ravens and Tennessee Titans football games, but I think I'm on this one. I think the Steelers are going to have their Midas touch game of the year, which means everything they do works um, on both sides of the ball. I'm big on the Steelers this week. I think it's going to be 35-3, and the reason I think it's going to be 35 is because Tomlin's going to decide he doesn't want it to be 49 or 56-3. to 
Um, I won't be shocked to see the backup quarterback in the game. Let's just put it that way. Not from injury, but for the game's going to be that well in the hand. So um, I love the Sewers this week. I think the Sewers offensive line is going to control the game. Um, if you can put in a prop bet for two or more sacks for T.J. Watt, I suggest doing it. Just go look what he's done against Cleveland so far in his career. Um, <laughs> Bud Dupree um, is probably the most improved stealer, and nobody talks about him. I mean, he's not getting a ton of sacks, but his play against the run has greatly improved. I think the Browns are going to miss Carlos Hyde, who they traded away to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, David Njoku is actually a, having a better season and a better career than I expected. I'll be honest about it. But, you know, I just don't think that Baker is prepared to get what he's going to get. Yeah, I think that the shine is off uh, Baker Mayfield a little bit. And I, I agree with – I sort of – FCI I lean towards your take on this game. I feel like this is a game where the Steelers uh, – you know, the Browns were sitting and waiting for the Steelers and kind of prepping for them. Uh, you know, had their, their calendar circled with that opening game of the season and the weather played into their hands because it did, you know, it sort of made that game, it kept the Steelers offense from having a chance to uh, use more of their talent advantage on offense. Uh, you know, and I feel like this will be a case where the Steelers are, kind, it's going to be an ass kicking, but I don't, I think with the combination, I think it's supposed to be a little bit, uh, a little bit rainy, a little bit of gusty wind. Um if that's the case, I think that'll keep the score down a little bit because the Steelers are going to end up, you know, I predict they'll get a couple of big pass plays early in the game and then they're going to absolutely pound the daylights out of the Browns. Uh, this, to me, yields about a 27 to 10 result for the Steelers. I, I hope that FC is right because I like that kind of game where backup quarterback gets in like he did uh, the last time they played. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that will happen, but I, I do feel like this is a game where the Steelers are healthy and they're playing at home in a division game against a team that's kind of uh, been, it's got some trouble and is sinking a little bit and is tired. And the combination of those, those things should equal a pretty significant Steelers win. But, you know, we got all three types. Uh, we got all kinds of three predictions on this game from three of us. So I guess it goes to show that nobody knows what to expect. Um, final thoughts. I'll give it to you, FC. Um, anybody see who was AFC Defensive Player of the Week this week? <laughs> Mike Mitchell. <laughs> Mike Mitchell. Sometimes you don't – I mean, I think that he was a scapegoat uh, for a lot of the Steelers' problems on defense last year where there was a lot more problems than just Mike Mitchell. Um, so, so my point is sometimes you don't know what you don't know. So uh, – I think the Steelers are setting up for one of those fucking crazy-ass seasons, so enjoy the ride. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, enjoy the ride. Uh, remove shop, ar- shop objects and uh, stock up on liquor. Uh, Perch, final thought. I'll go back to Baker Mayfield. That cocky little fucker, yet he doesn't quite know what he doesn't quite know yet either. Just like we don't know what we don't know, which kind of scares me because, you know, he's, he's this guy who's had nothing but success in college and comes because of the first number one overall draft pick. And there is nothing in the world that he'd rather do than then plant the flag on the Steelers field, whether it be literally or figuratively, to for the first time in how a dozen years or whatever it's been, to win a game against the Steelers, and that would that would be his Super Bowl. That would cement his rookie year. That would be everything that would justify him being the number one overall pick. So, I, I think that uh, you know there's something there. I, I would look out for, and you know, hopefully the Steelers can hit him and rattle him early and, and get him off pace because if he's, he's so quick with his release and he's so accurate that if he gets going and the Steelers let him get going. It could be he could he could put some points up on the defense. So I, I just uh, I, I think he's a big key to the game. If they can really welcome him to AFC North football the right way, I think it'll set the tone for you know his career against the Steelers. So that's the thing I'm most interested in this weekend is, is just watching that that chess match. Yeah, I think that's actually a really uh, you know for all the joking around we do on the show, that's actually a very uh, astute, serious uh, uh, observation on the game, Birch. I'm. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for hanging in there with, with a couple of asshats every week because I know it's hard for you. <laughs> the, um, 
I'm let, let us hope Baker Mayfield doesn't get started in that. Uh, the Steelers do. And uh, how about this? Mike Mitchell, defensive player of the week last week. Maybe it's Artie Burns' chance to be defensive player of the week this week. I mean, be fantastic. We can dream, can't we? Uh, gentlemen, thank you He's for a fine. I got it. Dislike. Look at his backstory, boys. I'm going to let you finish this up. True enough. True enough. I hope, I hope that he doesn't have too many responsibilities with his own family right now and he can Work. concentrate on uh, playing mistake free football. That would be a good place to start. Uh, FC, thank you for your time. Perch, excellent show today, Perch. You were on time, you were on point, on message. I, you deserve a raise. Yeah, just like every other week, right? All I got is a game, week in, week out. All I got is a game. It's the same, but not quite. Um, anyway, gentlemen, thank you very much. And for all you listeners from Steeler Fury and everywhere else in the world, I am Brad Shadabin saying, go get them, Steelers. Kill Cleveland. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.